I was thinking last night and I was just going over in my mind some little little details and little thoughts that um, uh, came to me and, and I thought well, I would talk to you about faith and we'll talk about 12 things that faith is okay 12 things that faith is uh, so you can kind of uh, I guess you would say in a way encapsulate these understandings of faith in your thinking uh, sometimes we um, think we're in faith and we're not how many have been there you know, sometimes we got a part of it, but not the whole thing. Uh, sometimes we're in hope. Sometimes we're in wish. Sometimes we're in fantasy. Huh? Sometimes we just a legend in our own minds and just let your, let your imagination run away with you and all this stuff. But we, we really have to understand what faith is. And there is, uh, there are different characteristics to faith. There are different things that faith will compel us to do. There are certain things faith will motivate us to do. And, uh, and, and I think you need to understand that God is looking for faith. He treasures faith. He values it very highly. Um, there are things that people believe God for with the best that they have and they don't happen for them and that's not to in any way diminish them or their faith or their desiring to please God with their faith or use their faith there's something about faith that keeps us going in spite of the result this is what you got to understand about faith it is a living spiritual substance that is extremely necessary for your well-being while you live down here on earth got me faith is given to us uh, by God as a fruit of the spirit but it also is a force to bring heaven down here on earth uh, and the Bible says that love is the one one fruit of the Spirit that will abide forever. After we get to heaven, there's no more need for faith. Yeah. See, faith is for something off in the future. So that's going to cease at some point. Yeah. But you need it very much uh, for what you are called to do down here on earth. There are certain things that you need faith for. Faith is necessary for you to contact God and have the benefits of your covenant, your kingdom covenant, so as to bring the kingdom of God down here on earth so that you can enjoy it. Yeah. Amen. Also, because it's, king, it's a kingdom property, you must understand that you have to bring enjoyment to others with your faith as well as with yourself. Yeah. So it's not just a personal commodity that's for your use only. Or for your benefit only. Many times your faith, the faith for the things that you desire, is dependent upon your, your um, faithful stewardship over faith to benefit others. You can't go any further than you let me go. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the uh, sack race where they, uh, or the foot the, where they do the husband and wife, they tie your legs together. You got to, everybody falls on their face trying to help somebody get somewhere. Why? Because we, we can't go, God sees us all as valuable, equally valuable to him. 
And so he gives us faith so that we can see others the same way he sees them of equal value. So it should make no difference to you if you're praying for somebody else to. You see, and this is one of the strange things about faith. It doesn't know who you're praying for and doesn't care. It just wants to get at it. You got me? And so we have to respect what faith is in order to get it to work for us. Because God won't put everything in your little basket and then let you hoard it and nobody else can get any. That would make him partial. And so he knows how to give our faith certain assignments while we're down here on earth to accomplish certain things. Because the kingdom always comes first. You're first to him. Let's make no mistake about it. If you feel like you nobody loves you, God loves you, and that's got to mean everything to you. If that doesn't mean enough to you, then you got to go back and read your Bible some more. Once you know he loves you and you know that what that means, then, then it should be all over but the shouting as far as you are concerned. Because you are taken care of. But what he's looking for in you is, are you like him? He wants to look down here and see somebody who is acting like Jesus, looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, doing everything that Jesus would do. And then he's pleased with you. Because your faith primarily is to, to get you to walk out the image of God down here on earth. That's what it's for. That's a primary reason for it. And so faith will do certain, when it's in operation in your life, it will accomplish great, great things for you. Look at Abraham and Sarah. If you don't look at anybody else, look at them too. You know, they would, they would get confused about what faith was supposed to do, make some mistakes, but then they get right back up. Hey, God's talking to us again. He, he ain't mad. He's still talking to us, telling us to get up and do something. Let's go do it. And let's get it right this time. And so that's what faith does. It keeps you in the race. It keeps you in the hunt. It keeps you going after the things that God has for the earth, not just for you, but for the earth. Amen. So you are an ambassador from heaven. Your the essence of your life is heavenly. You're a spirit wrapped up in a tent called a flesh body. The spirit, you can tell the spirit is everlasting because there's sometimes when the flesh don't want to cooperate and the spirit says, let's get with it. you just up there, you know, like most of y'all don't dance at home. I know you don't. So I see what you do here with the Holy Ghost helping. And you know, oh, that's a wake up. Uh, if you wake up, I won't tell them rotten little jokes. But... <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. Sometimes it's slow moving. <laughs> the older you get, the slower it works, you know. So, but, but God. Then there's a spirit on the inside of you that wants to, to get up and go do something. I, you know, when, when I minister to people uh, who have ailments with their legs or they're walking or something like that, I know what their spirit, the mind of Christ is telling them to do. Is telling them to it, they keep getting the impulse to run, and if they'll obey it by faith, they'll take off. You know, some do, most don't. Most are looking for it to feel better a little bit, and then they can go home. And this lady will leave me alone. 
This is true. They keep looking around at us. Quit looking at them people. I said, they hurting just like you are. This is your opportunity. <laughs> you better get on up here. Use your faith, brother. It's all here right now for you. The anointing's here to help you. You're not waiting on nothing. This is your moment. <laughs> but anywho. But, you know, and then some people will get it. And it scares them when that anointing is that pop. And they start, you know, but if you keep working with it, you'll get up and run and never have that problem again. See what I'm saying? So it's, but that's, that's what faith will do to us. It gives us these energy boosts and understandings of our capability. You see yourself as 100% whole, well, fit, and everything else by faith. When it starts working, you can definitely, I feel like I want to get up and dance. And then you think about it, no, I can't do that. But you should do it because that's God talking to you. That's your spirit man wanting to take over. And so that you can live the life God wants you to live. See, all of these things happen by faith. And your faith gets stirred up and you start seeing yourself as, you know, 30 years younger. In my case, you know, some of you, you know little bit older whatever i don't know what it'll tell it'll put you in those realms of possibility amen it just does so faith is is extremely powerful and important for us and to respect and to use i know many people uh they're so wrapped up in the natural realm you know and this is a trick of the enemy to distract you from the realm of the spirit keep you focused on the natural so your faith never matures it's always like it you know the seed or the baby form it has to be developed through exercise and so once you understand that you'll take every opportunity you can to exercise your faith always be believing god for the impossible always have it stretched out there into something that's a challenge and something that may be difficult and keep feeding your faith don't take up a challenge and then get in the flesh with it and refuse to let god add anything to your faith faith just can't work by itself it's got to have helpers with it you know other than that we go and raid every department store in the city you know what i'm saying so just lower your roll get something to go with that so it'll work for god's kingdom purposes so if you turn to hebrews chapter 11 in verse 1, I just wrote down some notes. I had a, probably about a dozen things I found that I just wanted to explain a little bit more uh, in faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, um, let me see. I had an NIV that I was looking at. Is there one in, the, in, our, in your office, Pastor Shirley? Or, uh-huh. No. Well, you know what? I can get somebody's. I can mooch a tablet off somebody. If this thing goes out on me. <laughs> look, it's so little. A little, little thing. I'd have to borrow Chuck's glasses to see that. Which I'll never see it because we know Chuck don't have no glasses, right? All right. You know what? I can get it on my tablet. Is this the only one you're using? Okay, all right. Don't let this thing go out on me now. Okay. So it says here in the NIV, and I'll probably go back and forth. Some of the things I like the King James and some of them, you know, you just get used to certain things. But I was studying from this one last night. It says, now faith is confidence. See, 
It's confidence. So the first thing you need to know about faith is it's confident assurance. It is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, there are some imitators of this, and you and all you and I know that. Mm-hmm. You can have imitation what 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 uh the carnal man wants to conjure up as faith. And you, this is where you gotta have all your ducks in a row and have some some confirmations from God, some reassurances from him about the stability of this hope that you have. It's got to be a stable hope, and it can't be a come and a go, depending upon what somebody says to you. There is such thing as a good fight of faith where you will have to fight to hold on to what you hope for. Because there is a kingdom of darkness out here in operation that wants to rob you of everything. And so, but, but if you, if your hope really is in God, you can let that go and let God have it and see if it don't come back to you. This is what many people refuse to do with their dreams, their ideas, their, they just hold them so close because they're fragile. And you barely believe it yourself. That's why you're so intent in holding on to it. And you don't have the confidence in God to let it go and test to see if that's God talking to you. See? I know this is new to y'all. People, you know, people who live in the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it territory kind of don't like to, you know, they don't kind of like to test these things. But you would be quite a foolish person to try and hold on to something that God has not given to you. Because how can you take that from him? You can't steal nothing. See, it went out on me. What do I do to get this picture back? Give me this picture back. Get it, do that thing for me. Oh. Okay. Button on the side. Slide right up. You get in the scene. Oh, wrong thing. Okay. So. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. So this gives you a clue to how you can validate and judge your faith. What were the ancients commended for? Their faith. What were they doing? How did they live? What did they believe God for? How did, what did they go through? So this is how one way to test to see if you've got the right brand of faith working in you. Does it measure up to the test of the ancients and what they were commended for? Is it the Abraham brand? Is it able to withstand making mistakes and still feel like God wants to use you? Now, listen, this is what gets most of us, because most of us are prone to believe the devil when he tells us we're disqualified because we did X wrong. If you knew what was against you to use your faith and make it produce, because once your faith produces, honey, something, honey, it ain't it's all over for the devil. You understand me? Because people can get one answer to prayer from God and talk about it all the rest of their life and be very satisfied to go home to be with the Lord with one answer to prayer. That's how powerful faith, that's the powerful impression that it leaves in a human spirit. 
I'm serious. You'll have people that, that they'll go through life and they'll they'll live mediocre, but they got that one testimony where they prayed to God and he did something big for them. They'll tell it forever and be very comfortable living off one answer. Come on now. That's more true than it's not. Because the, the, the reverse is people who live confidently every day by faith and have, and, and have many testimonies, but for them it's not a big thing, it's a way of life. Those people are rare. The people that are frequent are the ones that had a one testimony, but they're very happy. God moved at one time, and I know he could do it again, but I'm just so happy with that. <laughs> It's what the ancients got commended for. See, What does your faith do? What can faith do? And see, even if your faith has not done what they could do with it, you have that hope that your faith can do the same thing. This is a faith of this. This is the same faith that was given to This is the same faith. If I'll put it over in God, what did Abraham do? You look at his life. When God told him to do something, he didn't ask 15 people their opinion he got up and did what god told him to do see just that right there will let you know that faith has a power to motivate move guide conduct your life it can take off and take you to all kinds of places and positions if you'll obey it what else did Abraham do? When he got weary or he got in a place of confusion, you'll see it's in the Bible. Abraham built an altar and worshiped God. When we get off track or we get weary or something like that, you can always go back and contact God. You get him again. Get him. Call him again. He came down one time and answered you. Call him again. Abraham had an excuse. There was no Bible written in. He was, he was writing the Bible as he walked with God. So he didn't have anything to refer to like we do. For us, it's kind of like no excuse. We we got to get in there and start doing something. We got a road map here that shows us what it'll do. But when you have faith in God about something he wants you to do, there is a confident assurance that what you hope for is coming to you. You're on the way to it, and it's on its way to you, however you want to look at it. So faith is not a wavering commodity. It's a confident assurance. So what do you do if you're not sure? What do you do if you're not confident? How do you fix that? Can you fix that? What do you do? Well, the the one thing we do know about faith is that it can be increased. It comes in different abilities, different strengths. So it looks like faith begins somewhat as a seed that grows. So faith is a seed that grows. We all have the same measure of it to begin with. What you do with it throughout your walk down here on earth depends on how you please God, what kind of results you're going to get. So all of that is dependent upon what you do with that measure that God gives you. So he says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Oh, it's going to get here and I have no doubt. That's what you say. I have no doubt. And we will see it. Abraham believed God for a city he never got to, but he sought it anyway. So to say that, that you're, what, what, if, you're, if faith 
If your faith is confidence and assurance in God and it never happens, what does they say about you? Does that say you didn't have faith? Absolutely not. Because you have it in you and you know what it can do. See, this is always the challenge. Uh, Other people will come and try to look at what your life is like to see if you're living by faith or see if you had the results of faith. Now, I'm talking about people looking in a carnal. I'm not talking about about people that know something. You understand what I'm saying? People who look in a carnal fashion at what your life is like to see if it validates faith or that God is with you. And you can be happy every day, very confident, don't bug you that it ain't here yet. You got me? Because faith also does that. It gives you an assurance where you don't need to see something every day. Huh? Oh, God, just show me his muscles. I I just, just want to let me run into him in the gym. I ain't getting that. He's going to bring you somebody you can love. Huh? <laughs> Nobody ever wants to know about somebody's prayer life before they get go out on a date. Huh? About what they look like. What you look like. They about look like you. Praise the Lord. All right, so faith, we says, is a confident assurance that what we hope to see, we will see. It's a confident assurance. You ain't seen it yet. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, starting in verse three, it says, By faith we understand that the world or the universe was framed or formed at God's command or by the word of God so that what is seen was not made of anything that was visible at the time of creation. So if you have faith in God, you have the faith of God. That faith, Your faith works the same way as creation did. The problem is you ain't God and you don't create nothing. You can only pattern and copy what he gives you. You know, you're the little Xerox machine. You get to run off your share. Well, let me get that page. I like that page. Let me copy that. I'm going to run. That's you. You run off your page and you copy it. And you can use his faith to see that it happens. But your faith cannot create anything. Your words don't create anything you don't bring it to pass, God does. And let me tell you how I know that's true. You can sit here, whine, scream, and cry for it. Why is it when it's late, you can't do nothing about it? You know, we used to say, speak it into existence. You ain't doing that. All you're doing is running off your Xerox copy of what he say you can have. And see if you can remember it so when it shows up, you know what it looks like. And don't reject it. Huh? I tell you, people have come, you met people that you could have been married to, but you you didn't get your copy off the machine right. Huh? Instead of copying God's word, you stuck your nose on there, they did Xerox of that. Put your hand on there. Just playing with the copy machine instead of getting what he has for you. Yeah, you have to say, I don't care if you like it or not. It's the truth. 
That's all we do is play with the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get there. I, 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 I see that's mine. <laughs> you can't even remember what you were praying for when you leave the prayer closet. That's why you don't know what to expect. You have to live in expectation of things. Now let me tell you why people don't think that's important. Because your expectation will fight you for credibility. Your expectation will always tell you you got no right to expect him. Well, that thing will talk to you itself. That ain't the devil talking to you. That's you and your expect your your uh, wavering expectation talking to you, telling you you can't have it. Now. Your expectation holds you hostage to to embarrassment, shame, and failure. Because the first thing your expectation says, well, what if you don't get me? Huh? This thing is in you. It's in your mind. It's trying to get in your heart. And it's challenging you for what you're going to do if it don't show up. That's why people are ashamed to hope in things. That's why there's scriptures there. He who hopes in the Lord shall not be ashamed. Why do you think that's in there? Because your hope will try to shame you into not wanting it. Because it's worldly hope. <laughs> now let me back up a little bit here. Sarah and Abraham at 90 years old and 100 years old and see 90 and 100 and see we talk we see all them people in the bible you know the first generation after seth that that you know lived to be 900 had the first baby 120 well in in 100 years that drops off very quickly into what we are here right now see for for even at their age, the generation that they were in, I think Abraham, maybe the 13th or something generation after, after the flood or something like that, life had diminished into where you could easily die at 80, yeah. 70, something like that. And so fertility stops or the ability to have children, it had stopped for Sarah already. But they're walking around calling themselves pregnant, expecting, able to expect because their names were changed to people. So every time Sarah was said, she was a princess and she was the mother of many living descendants and Abraham too. So, but see, because their, their faith and their hope was in God, it was invincible to this mindset that don't say that out loud to anybody because when they, they go tell you, you can't have that, don't tell nobody. You even see people do stuff like that now. If they want something real bad, don't tell nobody. Why not? You, you think your faith isn't strong enough to defend it against the ridicule of the enemy? Huh? So they'll try to, well, all these secret, the secret this and secret, I want people to know what I want. Why not? You're ashamed of it. That's why. You think you won't get it. That's why. And that's not the Abraham brand of faith. The Abraham brand says it, knows it, expects it. That's what's holding it up for most of y'all. You don't want to. 
you can't relate to this. You know it's true. Because it keeps you from being honest about your expectation. There's no reason why, as Christians, we shouldn't be honest about our expectation. We keep too many secrets. Too many, uh, I don't want nobody. Why not? Why not? This is something God would, would gladly give to anybody. It's in the Bible. Why don't you want somebody to know you want it? Listen, everybody out the closet. I don't know why Christians stay in there. Just And yeah, people are going to look at you funny. And yeah, they're going to think you don't deserve it. And yeah, they're going to say, who do you think you are wanting something? They're going to say that. That's part of the game. Now, you got to be able to fight that in order to get it. Are you kidding me? Listen, Job laid on his bed, I don't know what, 39 chapters, and still got up healed. So it didn't hurt him to have to defend what he was believing in front of all his detractors. It won't hurt you. In fact, that's what your little flimsy faith needs because it's so wavery. Little noodle, you know how you try to stand a noodle up after you cook it? (laughs) You need some stand-up faith. Huh? Faith that can withstand. It has to be exercised before it can get bigger. If you hiding it from everybody, you hiding a little limp noodle running around here, can't do nothing. And you babying it, protecting it, and hiding it. Put it out there where we can see it. Huh? Put your hope out there where we can talk bad about it. Huh? Put it out there so the devil can try to punch it out and see if it'll live. Huh? If it came from God, it'll survive. Don't be don't be afraid to put it to the to the church test. You know how saints do. Huh? Right. You know, you get somebody see you trying to look a little bit better because you expecting a date or something. They look at her. Got all that hair on. She can't get no veil on that. How she gonna get married? You gotta take half of them wigs off her head. <laughs> you know what saints do you? <laughs> then they all want to be in a, I'm going to give her this wedding gift. I'm gonna, I ain't buying no more baby, no more shower gifts around here. Till I get mine. <laughs> well, have you seen him? Mm, he's just funny looking, honey. Mm. Ain't that little funny looking man? Don't nobody want him? No way. She can go on have him. I don't care. That little funny looking man. Hmm? Is he straight? Because I heard. I'm shocked he even want to get married. You know? know how the saints do. Just put it on out there. If your faith is, if that's where your faith is, don't ever be ashamed to confess that God is your God. If he gave you faith for that, don't don't let somebody kill it before it gets started. Because if your faith is never exercised, it won't grow big enough to pull that thing into your life. It will not happen. It will not happen. I don't know where I got way over there, but I, I'm looking at verse 3 now. 
So the universe was formed by things that did not exist. Now, why is this important to know? It's in the Bible. It's, it's important. If it's in there, it's important. Because if you are using the same kind of faith that God used to create the universe, that's what this is saying. We understand that the earth was framed by the word of God. That means that all the timber and substance God needed to make the sun, the moon, the earth, the skies, everything that he made was made out of things that weren't visible. So he didn't pre-create the earth and take parts and put them together and make it. It came from things that were invisible or not seen. It does not say they didn't exist. See, they existed somewhere. That's why when you believe God, you feel it. It's got substance. It's real. You know it exists somewhere, and if you could have a key to where it is right now, you go in there and tell, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's why we can pray for something and feel like it's coming tomorrow. huh? And then another year goes by and it's not showed up yet, and you're still believing for it. Are you crazy? No, you're not crazy. You, you're, you know it exists somewhere. The things that God creates could exist in God. They're in him. They're in a place called glory. Every time you say the word glory, it brings heaven down here. God responds because it's a real place. If it weren't real, there wouldn't be any response. You say Buddha and see what comes down and helps you. But any of, the, any of the things that we mention down here by faith that exist for real somewhere in God, you get a response from him that you've touched something real. So these things exist in God. They exist in his imagination and they exist in his word. They exist in his spirit. So when he called these things, when he called light, it just shot out of him. That's why you can't speak things into existence. You can speak all you want to. You can speak to your tongue, hang out. And that's a blessing for you. How many times do you look at stuff on TV? I sure would like to have it. You can tell to come here all you want to. It ain't coming. Until God sends it to you. Now see, this is a heartbreaker for a lot of Christians. Because we really think our much confessing will get us get it here faster. Your confession does a couple of things that are good for you. Number one, it helps your faith. See, if you don't get more encouraged if you confess the word over yourself. So it helps your faith. That's really what your confession is for you. God already heard your prayer. He put it on the train to get here at a certain year, a certain time, a certain everything. It's on order. Now, you can't ask him to put it at, can I have it overnighted? No, that's FedEx. That ain't God. Huh? And it costs extra. We don't want to pay for it to come the normal route. Huh? 
I just don't believe God wants me to have that no more. It was never up to him anyway. It was always up to you. It's a yes and amen on your part that he's waiting on. You keep vacillating. He can't get a car in your garage if it's full of stuff, you know, if you turned it into a, a bargain basement. Huh? You got to be expecting. You got to make room for it. Huh? Don't you? You're expecting that you make room for it. So that what is seen was not made of what is visible. What you want from God is not visible. That's why that little clause in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Because it was being made from stuff that you see. Covetousness would get you somewhere. But it doesn't in God. It might get you a little bit understanding of how to, you know, we all borrow ideas off people. You know, you go in and you, you like the, the where, you know, the ambiance. You know, you visit your neighbor's house or your neighbor, a friend. I, I have bought some, uh, I like the way Pastor Shirley keeps house, always did. Her house is always neat, clean, and comfortable. And I just always feel comfortable when I go over there. I, we fight over the big chair. Well, she lets me have it. She never fights me for it. But, you know, I know she's like, but we ain't got but one. So, you know, and the guests get you on. Know, but I always like the way her house smells when you come in there. And so I'd ask, what you do? How you do? What you? What do you do with? How do you get your house to smell like that? So now, see, when I go to her house, it smells wonderful. I get the same thing. She get them little wallflowers from. I bought my wallflowers. I got my little burners. And so uh, Cece came in my room. He said, "Did you spray in here?" I said, "Spray what?" He said, "Roach spray." <laughs> I said, you know what, Gigi, I got some wallflowers for you. You know what I'm saying? If it ain't working, get it out of there. You understand what I'm saying? Just let me get my little spritzer and keep doing what I've been doing, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, you can only borrow so much from, like God is saying, you find your own little stinky scent. Right now it's roach spray, so you got to, we can, anything's an improvement. You see what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, he won't let you even borrow certain things. Oh, he wants you to come to him for your own all the time. See? Come to you for your own. So when, when we understand that the visible won't help us with this kind of faith, we'll leave it alone. You'll quit asking God to show you some. Ask you, you know, we, we used to, there's a scripture in the, in the song, show me a token for good. We all use that to death. And you got your token and then the thing never showed up yet. You see? But you keep believing, don't you? Huh? He'll, he'll accommodate you. He said, but that don't mean it's on the, it that don't mean it's on the, the fast train for the early arrival. That means it's going to get here on time. Why does he do that? Because God, in his, in his economy of how he runs his kingdom, wants faith to be used under his direction. Your faith is not just pulling what you want all the time. It ain't just pulling your train. It's pulling a train that has overflow for other people. It has, it's a train that has blessing for other people that need to be blessed that don't have your faith. 
he allows us to borrow faith off one another through the prayer of agreement through intercession intercession is nothing but a borrowing system for those who just don't quite have it you know if i'm sick in a bed somewhere and i don't feel like hardly praying for myself what do you think he does he won't let me just be sick he'll raise up intercessors to pray for me and same thing for you so your faith belongs to him because it is god's faith but it resides in you to do work for you and him but the kingdom comes first the kingdom always comes first he he sees all of us if god loves us all equally the same he's not just looking at you and begging you to use your faith for something no he won't let it work for you until you let it go to work for somebody else many times you understand me so it's not a commodity that it's 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 something you have stewardship over not ownership if if i can say that okay so just like everything every gift he gives us is stewardship not ownership if i wanted to prophesy to you and and i and if i don't get it from him i can't see this is a problem we got now with people manufacturing stuff because we somebody told us we were wonderful because we heard from god and we believed it so now we think we own the gift you don't own anything now you don't own anything it's all this belongs to god and so when when we think about faith then think about something that god has given you to benefit humanity that is under his control but highly benefits you you get high benefit out of it because you use it so the one this is the the person that 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 sows the crop and tends the crop will be a first partaker yeah see you get to be first partaker and and you get that through the fruit of the spirit see you live off you don't live off of answered prayer because they don't come fast enough for most of us they don't come fast enough for me so i can't live off of you know when it if something happens i say oh thank god and, and go on to the next hunt because there's something in me that's going on to the next hunt and i can't sit and enjoy this <laughs> you live off the fruit of the spirit you find that out real quick <laughs> enough times of feeling like it was close enough to touch and it don't happen you say um what do i do now you better grab you some joy sit down and eat you a, a pie of joy and rejoice and help yourself to that that you can have all the time huh so uh, by faith then we understand creation and we understand how to use god's faith what you are asking for is tangible and it's real because it has substance to it when you put when you mix it with god's word with your faith and your desire then what you experience is a receiving that's why the bible says believe you receive it when you pray because you do yes. you receive it in invisible form yes. but it's very real yes. it's very real it's so real that mostly people cannot talk you out of it yes. huh so my advice is don't go blabbing it until you grab it for real on the inside See? once it's in there nobody can tell you it's not real and nobody can take it away from you once it's in there it's in there 
So by faith, it says, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made from things which do appear. So when God creates it, what you see came from something invisible. It did not come from something seen. This is different from what the evolution Evolutionists have to start with something seen all the time. They'll never know where it came from in the invisible. So they start with what God created, which is something that's seen, and then talk about it. Something happened and recreated again. That's how it happened. You know, it takes too much mental gyration to even make that real to you. You know what I'm saying? It's too hard to... To believe that, I'd rather believe, at least I have the faith from God to believe his word. So that's a free gift to me. So it's easier for me to believe that than to believe some nonsense they talk. Uh, Number three, go to verse four. It says here, by faith, Abel brought God. By faith, Abel brought God or offered to God a better or the the king james says more excellent i'll say it that way a more excellent faith takes care of more excellent things or will bring more excellent things to you it won't bring the cast off or the mediocre that's why when you give by the god says give the first of what you have that's more excellent then going and spending what you want to spend first and then giving him the leftovers. You got me? So when you talk about faith and see what faith will bring back to you then is the same level that you sent out. So it will bring more excellent results to you because it's more excellent in the exercise of it. So when you offer something to God by faith, it's a more excellent offering than for somebody to just gives up. That's why Jesus said when the water, the woman with the, uh, the widow with the mites and threw them in there. He said she gave more. It was a more excellent because she did it with faith and she gave the best faith she had. She gave all her substance and didn't blink when she did it. Amen. Probably for years she felt bad about the little bit she was able to give. But man, when she gave it by faith, that put a big impact on it in God. It's more excellent. God always looks at, he looks at what you keep. I keep saying that he don't look at what you give. If he's not satisfied with how much you keep, then you should have given more. That's all I can tell you. You understand what I'm saying? He don't feel sorry for you because you're down to your last dime. How'd you get there? He didn't take you there. Let me take you there. Yeah. Oh, let me take you there. Woo! Play it on your piano now. You see what I'm saying? God didn't take you to spend your last nothing. How'd you get there? You took yourself. So he ain't feeling sorry for you. Because it, what he, he tells you, what he told that widow, what's in your house? What you got? Bring me an offering. Don't sit up there whining and crying, talking about, I done forgot about you and I don't got it. You can say all you want to, but you better bring me something. When you bring me something, I know you're serious about getting out of trouble.
If you don't have nothing but a voice, you can lift that up and give that as an offering. But we all have something. He never leaves his children begging bread. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. See, that's the thing about faith, a faith voice. It's eternal. It'll keep speaking over and over again. It's like when, when you read the Bible and you believe it, you just didn't make yourself believe that. You believed it because faith was on those words to make it believable. God helps you tremendously. Yeah, that's why we can't boast about anything we have in God. You understand? How silly is that? You have, we have no clue how all of this happens. We're just getting a little understanding here and there. And we can't handle that, most of us. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I'll, let me put that on the shelf. Some people got so, their shelf is so cluttered with stuff, they couldn't believe and never came back and asked God about it. <laughs> so faith is acting out what we sincerely believe by faith. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice over and over and over again. That's what faith will do. It will have you repeat the same action over and over and over again that really doesn't make sense to some people. It's acting out what we sincerely believe and doing it over and over and over again. Like when when Abel knew he had to offer sacrifice if he sinned and he wanted to get in touch with God and worship God, he had to do this over and over and over again. Where his brother would just throw anything out there. You see what I'm saying? He never respected God. And the Bible says, so God had respect to Abel's. He gave Abel what Abel gave him. He gave God respect by being obedient. God respected what he did. That's all. That, I mean, this is a simple life, folks. It's just that easy. It's not hard to please God. For some people, it's very hard to be obedient, though. They don't want to put themselves under the, the strict discipline. But see, they want to use the word when they need something. They want to use their faith when they need something. But they skip the day-to-day obedience that really God respects. Because your day-to-day is how you respect God. Where's your respect of him with your faith? And see, it's missing, and that's why when they need something, their faith is too weak to pull it in. It's true. You've got you to do everything right by faith. You, can, you live right by faith. You don't live right because everybody encourages you to do it. And they pat you on the back for doing it. You live right because you do it by faith. Believing that you're pleasing God and you're honoring God with the way you live your life. So he says, by faith, Abel still speaks. Even though he's dead. His last voice was his shed blood. And it cried out to God for vengeance. Everybody that was murdered, their blood is still crying out. That's why, it's, that's why the, the earth is so messed up. Some people even hear that voice. They get tapped into the realm of the spirit. 
there have been people that that confessed to killing people i just couldn't stand it anymore i just kept hearing them that's their blood crying out you know what i'm saying life is in the blood so faith is acting out what we sincerely believe and doing it over and over and over again i always say people who don't don't receive from god you know if they, they keep having trouble with certain things they're, they don't have faith. There's something goofy with their faith. Amen. See, there's something that they do repeatedly as a habit. You know, it talks about bad habits and how long it takes to break them and stuff like this. Well, your actions become habits because they feed your soul in some way. Your soul gets trained how to respond and do things in certain ways. And so what happens with the human is that the things that they enjoy, God put us here to enjoy life, things that we enjoy, we tend to do habitually over and over and over again. And see, when you come to God through repentance, what you're saying to God is, I don't really want to live the way I want to live. I want to live for you. I want to live in obedience to you. I want to live a life that honors you. But most people still hoard a little something to hold on to. Uh, that feeds self and that feeds and see this is where this is why you'll see sometimes people uh, repent and just make a total 360 in their life boom falls into place all of a sudden and it's because it was something they were doing to steal respect and honor from god and they did it habitually and it stole their faith from god now you want to put it over in god to get what you need see what i'm saying that's where selfish people do that they live for themselves all the time they don't honor God with their giving or, you know, or obedience or anything like that. But yet they want to come to God when they want something and think their faith is going to work. Well, I got news for you. It don't work like that. It's never going to work like that. And until that person understands obedience and respect, this one, number three, until they understand where they're disrespecting God, and God does not have respect for their prayer in their time of need because they're not respecting God on a continual. Some people, you see religious people work hard for God all the time. They're always, they're always punctual, always this, but their heart's not in it. So this faith isn't working for them either because their heart is absent from it's got to be real, folks. It's got God. Listen, it's so easy to obey God if you do the basics that He tells you to do. When, when He catches you doing something wrong, be quick to it, repent and apologize. Don't give three long explanations. You know what I'm saying? Just say you're sorry. Just apologize and let's wipe the slate clean and keep moving. You don't have to give explanations for why you screwed up. Nobody cares. We want, we want it corrected. God wants it corrected. We don't excuse screw-ups in this kingdom because it's easy to correct and live right. So when Abel made his offering, he saw what his brother was doing. So here the pressure's on. Maybe I could cut back a little bit and see if God will... Ex- see? That's why you got to preach... Preach tough, folks. You got to preach hard. You got to keep it right down the middle all the time because 
you know, your young people are seeing other young people fornicating and they laugh at them. And, you, you know, you're a Christian. You got to do this. They don't let you do that. And I wouldn't live like that. No. Pressure's always on to slip up and do something stupid. So you let the crazy people stay right out there. Keep doing what they do and think they're getting, oh, uh-uh, I don't want to live like that. Listen, I lived like that when he found me and I promised him I wouldn't do And he's helping me not to live like that anymore. But, you know, I always tell people if it's something, and see, people think they're slick. Selfish people, when they need some, all of a sudden they're interested in sowing seed. What can I do to sow some seeds so I can, you can't manipulate God. I don't care how many warlock badges you wear, you know. Warlock of the year. I'm a super warlock. I'm, I'm the witch of the month club. No, we don't care nothing about who you witching and warlocking on. You're not going to get nothing from God until you conform and use your faith properly. Always trying to be slick. Uh, slick in God. <laughs> so, by faith, these things you do because it's the right thing to do and you know God is going to be pleased. You do it to please God. You don't do it, you know. People, we're, sometimes we're too people conscious. We think we're pleasing people. Uh, Pastor Barb said to do so and so and so. Well, she don't know what she's talking about half the time. You know, I mean, it don't, come on now, don't tell me. See, y'all laughing. Y'all know the guilty people always. No, I don't say that. But you know what, people that they put them thoughts in your head, and then all of a sudden you know more than I do. And you just might know more. But I'm not living by knowledge. I'm living by faith. Woo! That's the one thing all these knowledge people don't get. They don't understand faith. They don't understand that in my world, if I'm believing God to move a certain way, he'll do it because I'm using my faith. And you can know better and yours don't work. I don't care about what you know. You can't live in my head and I can't. I don't want to live in yours. Mine is enough trouble. Amen. (laughs) I got enough to do trying to live in my own head. So faith really is action. Acting out. God don't believe you believe you believe nothing or trust him at all. He just looks at what you do. He don't look at what you say. Your confession is good to let him know what you desire. Once he knows it and writes it down and, and makes note of that and tells you you got it. I mean, your confession then after that is for you and it's to keep the devil off of you. Those are the two main things. And see, people think, I didn't confess the word enough. Maybe that's why. Well, maybe that's why your faith is low, but that's not why God. You got it already as far as he's concerned. When you sat down and you asked by faith, you believe you received it, you got it. So quit talking to him about it and start telling the devil to leave you alone about it. Huh? See, your first inkling that you didn't confess the word enough is when you start getting into unbelief. See, yours and got you down to the bottom. Uh I stopped riding around. My husband wouldn't let me. He wouldn't come. I won't tell you all that. But anyway, uh, I quit riding around with my tank on almost empty. 
Huh? Because see, when the brother don't come get you. You see, you got a gas tank and you got a little of them tanks in your car. No, I don't. Uh-uh. Okay, how much you cry? You won't do it again. And I didn't. But see, that's what we do sometimes with our faith. We ride around on almost empty. <clears throat> can barely get in the church. <laughs> Putter it. When you get here, we got to sprinkle some gas on your carburetor to start you. You know, I've been there too. Listen, I'm there to sprinkle on the carburetor rescue. You understand what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I don't live like that anymore. Amen. I don't live like that anymore. I don't want it to get that low where I get discouraged and then quit. Because it is possible to quit on your faith. You have to keep, you have to respect it and keep it alive. It's not going to just take care of you by itself. Amen. So there are certain things that you do to protect your faith, to cultivate your faith, to strengthen your faith. God will let your faith be tested to a certain level to make it strong. Because he's got to believe that it can, he knows what his faith can do. But you don't. So we live by experiencing what we know the faith of God can do. So by faith, it's acting out what we sincerely believe and doing it over and over again. So some people are so stingy with their obedience. They're sitting back watching to see what God will do. And these aren't baby Christians. Some people have made a lifestyle of trying to do the minimum and get the maximum from God. You got me? Just the minimum. So it, what God wants to happen is that it become a habit of seeking to please him. So faith pleases God. And that's what God wants. He wants a lot of people down here pleasing him. Do you mind? Huh? You parents, you want your kids to please you. You get sick and tired of telling them the same thing over and over again. huh? But you want your child to please you. Why? Not just to flatter you, but if they please you, then you're at peace about where they're going and what they're doing and their future and all that kind of stuff. You've got a lot invested in them. God feels the same way. You got me? He is pleased when we use our faith, because he said, well, I don't have to watch over this one so much, you know. Just get the legion of angels back in the house, because, you know, and let them have a little rest now, you know what I'm saying. And get them off this one's case, sucking up all the angels, because you don't do right. Huh? It's true. So, <laughs> God wants it to become a habit of seeking him and pleasing him. And not to get what we want. So our life of faith should be joy in knowing we please God. It shouldn't be cutting corners. You understand what I'm saying? Barely doing enough and seeing what we can hold back from God because we got to have something for ourselves. See, your, your, your spirit is stronger than that. That's your soul that's bankrupt. You know, you, you, you walk around with a bankrupt soul. It's always craving something it doesn't have, you know, because you're drawing from the wrong thing. 
If you learn how to live by the spirit and live by faith and draw from your spirit, man, draw from God's kingdom, draw from the spirit of faith, you'll live a contented life. But but the devil will always keep people like that are always distracted and they think it's something in the natural that's their problem. Get up and do something for God and see how and do it consistently. Don't quit. You got me? If 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 your job in the ministry dries up, go find something new to do to say. There's always something new to do to serve God. You know? But don't let it go on and you don't sow any seed for him. Good gravy. Let's get real here. We ain't living in a pity. This this kingdom does not run by pity, it runs by faith. God does not feel sorry for you. Let's get real here. There's no excuse for not sowing obedience to God and living by faith. Huh? There's no excuse for that. So he wants us to live by faith every day and please him. Well, I think I please him. You ain't there no thinking about it. You, this ain't something you think. This is something you know. You can get assurance by your faith that you please God. And if you're not sure, get up and do something for him. Say, Father, what do you want me to do? I'm sitting here and I feel like I'm not being used. I'm not being this. I'm not being that. Whatever. What can I do for you? Oh, that's a new thought. Well, if that hurts your brain, put it on the shelf until next year sometime. You can take it out and examine it. Huh? So faith, number three, faith is acting out what we sincerely believe, doing it over and over again. In other words, God wants us to cultivate faith habits. Not works habits, faith habits. Don't you ever just go through the motions of doing something and get it over with. Don't treat God like that. You don't treat anybody like that. You got me? It's not that's not a heart of love. So we want us it becomes a habit of seeking to please him and not get what we need from God. That is not what faith is for. Faith is to keep you alive every day. See, if you please God every day, let me tell you a little secret. What you desire comes to you automatically. Now, you might have to fight the devil for some, but don't think you didn't do this enough to please God. You didn't, I didn't pray enough, didn't confess enough. Ding, 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 ding. That ain't what the problem is. The problem is the enemy trying to steal. You always got to factor him in. Now, you might have something slow coming sometimes. You might beat the devil up a couple turns and see if he'll let it go, if he's really to hold up. But pretty much if you live by faith, God's glory accompanies you every place that you go. And there's not much room for the devil to get in there to hinder you. Now, you might be hindered in going forward when God says, I want you to do this for me and do that for me. Sometimes we're hindered in going forward because we're not sure if that's what God wants us to do. But you stay with God and pretty sure you'll get sure of what he wants to do and go ahead and make that step. But it's not so much that the devil's stealing every. It, there is so, listen, I have done this long enough where I'm convinced that they're in observing people, there's something we do consistently all the time that stops the flow of blessing in our lives. 
So you check your habits. You check your attitude. You check how you act around the saints. You check how you you uh, minister to people. You check how you spend your free time, how you spend your free money. There's a lot of stuff we can check to see if what we're doing is by faith and we're pleasing to God. Sometimes there are things we do too much and we need to stop and say, God, you know what? If I keep this up, this thing will really get a hold of me. You got me? And I don't want anything having a hold of me but you. And so let's get this in check here so I can live a life pleasing to you. When you live by faith, you're not living by uh, not knowing what's going to happen. You have a knowing on the inside. Of you're expecting good from God. So people who live by faith aren't just in some big vacuum somewhere not understanding anything. You have expectation of good every day. You get up with good on your mind. You're going to please God every day. You're going to do what he tells you to do every day. And you expect good. You put him first every day and you expect good. So it's not like you're in some limbo where you don't know what's going to happen, where you're all confused and don't know what to expect. I expect to get up in the morning, feel good all day. I expect to come home. When I go out and drive in my car, I expect to come home intact, nothing missing, nothing broken. Just me and my dog. Got me? So that's expect. I know it doesn't sound real thrilling to most people, but I live to die another day. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people can't say that. So Abel still speaks number four. What did I say here about this one? Oh, faith has an eternal voice. That's number four. Abel still speaks from verse four. Because faith has an eternal voice. It is heard over and over again. So the things that we say here are heard over and over and over again. You know, we'll do that sometimes with with prophetic things that God will give us to utter. And, you know, I'll say things sometimes in prayer or prophesying, you know, in prayer and stuff like that. And turn on the television, you hear somebody else say it again. You know, it's, I remember praying uh, uh, specifically, this was a number of years ago. Um, uh, do you remember that girl in Florida, the, the life support? Terry Schiavo, that was her name. Many years ago, uh, she had been married to a man and she fell into a coma. She had been on life support and really wasn't on life support. They had a feeding tube. So she was breathing on her own for many years. The, the husband wanted her life terminated. He wanted him to quit feeding her. Her family, her parents and the brother and sister, wanted to continue to, you know, it's your child, it's your sibling. It's different from, you know, I mean, I realize married people love each other, but family love is a little different, you know. Family's going to be there. Somebody can walk off and leave you. Family's going to be there. You understand what I'm saying? You I, I tell them all the time, listen, somebody, I, I'm worried about where I'm going to stay. Y'all, you got a house? You taking me in. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like me or not. We're we going to live together. You understand what I'm saying? You can have all the differences you want, but when you're really in trouble, they you hunt each other up. But I remember praying for her because it just seemed so wrong to me. I said, well, what's up with this husband? And you find out they've had a settlement against, they sued the the place that, you know, they felt caused this trouble in her life. Her husband had bunches of money, and after that he changed. 
And so now he's living with some woman. They got two kids, and it's not happening fast enough for him. See, the till death do us. So in divorce isn't enough for him. He wants to, because the money was given for her care. See, that's why it's good to stay friends with your brothers and sisters. (laughs) Brothers and sisters in the Lord. But when I was praying for her, the Lord had me utter these words because the thing was in court. And they were saying, well, you know, the husband has rights, the family has rights. And and in court systems, they have a a standard of of, um, uh, wholeness. They want people, nobody wants to be cheated out of any their rights to anything. And so the judges always say, well, if we make an error, we want to err on this side. And so I began to pray, and God said, tell them to err on the side of life. And so I began to prophesy that when I prayed. And so I heard President Bush give his opinion. He said, well, if you're deciding something, I think you should err on the side of life. And then his brother Jeb was the governor at the, he said, we want to err on the side of life. That kept her alive for a certain period of time. And then the parents were, were getting weary and, and God said, have, he said, I can send somebody to them to minister to them and encourage their faith. And so I look up on the TV one morning, Jesse Jackson shows up. Now, you know, (laughs) see, this is where God will get you. This is where your own prayers will put you under conviction. If you're looking in the natural at people, got me? And see, your little religion comes out because, you know, he's Baptist. We spirit filled. We know if we do everything right, they do everything wrong. You know what I'm saying? But on top of that, he'd been in trouble with some chicks he'd messing around with and all that kind of stuff. You know, But it's amazing about the anointing. See, this is the thing. This is where we all get it because the anointing belongs to God. And if God anointed somebody one time, I've learned from experience, he can put it on them again. And so Jesse Jackson went down there and was standing in the and they said well her parents here's the family over here and the mother almost collapsed she said i am so glad you god sent you here she said i'm so glad you're here she said because we were about to give up but god sent you here and she was crying and she was carrying on and 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 so Faith is like this, though. It has a voice that will resonate and carry and carry and carry. Because when you utter something in the realm of prayer, don't ever doubt this. You utter something in the realm of prayer. That releases the Holy Spirit to take that word to somebody's ear. And it can help that person make a crucial decision. That's how we do it. That's how we do it here. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to go to uh, be the prophet that goes to an important person and prophesy to him. How cheap. 
You don't cheapen the word of God by making a big pronouncement about it. You utter it in your prayer closet and you declare to principalities and powers they can't do certain things. And nobody but you and God hears it. But the message gets where it needs to go. And if you are a servant and you work for God, you don't care if you're an upfront or behind the scenes person. Give me this nonsense. God doesn't give important stuff to, to give the show-offs anyway. He always gives it to... He's, John the Baptist said, I'm a voice. He didn't say, he said, I'm nobody, I'm a voice, I'm nothing. He says, somebody's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to lace up his shoes. So when you speak for God, Jesus comes after you, and he's not, you're not worthy to lace up his shoes. So we need to stop all this prophet's... Oh, he's a prophet to the to Hollywood. Hollywood what? You think that's more Hollywood is more important than uh, Central Avenue or Scoville or Kinsman or someplace you just walked by? You really think God loves Hollywood more than he loves these homeless people sitting out here? We Zoom by them all the time. Most prophets to the Hollywood wouldn't even prophesy to their own relatives that don't know God. So don't give me that. You're not called a certain thing. You're a voice. God will send your voice where he needs to have a voice. You don't have control over that. And there's no partiality in God. Amen. If y'all don't care to hear what I have to say, I prophesy to my wallpaper. Huh? I'm a voice. I'm thinking about all this stuff. You know, Christians getting on TV. Got face lifts all up to here. They can't even talk no more. I wouldn't have nobody cutting on my face and I knew my voice was my life with God. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, God, keep it together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you do what you got to do. Come on now, Lord. We ain't that pretty on television. Once you get past 60 and 70, they ain't looking at you for the looks no more. Let's get a clue. People talk about you if you look good. They talk about you if you look bad. (laughs) What are you worried about? You're a voice. Uh, You're not a personality. You're not a celebrity. You're a voice. That's all God needs us for. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Thank you, Jesus, that we're a people called by your name. We know who we are. The women that.